Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Oh my goodness, you guys, today's episode is an interesting one, a good one, an honest one. Um, I am sharing some of my own personal dating stories and how the messiness of those relationships caused some strain on my marriage, caused strain on my faith, and why it is so, so important to be aware of who you're dating and if they really are the person that you want to marry because everything is magnified in marriage. So this may be an episode for a daughter or a sister or a friend that you want to share this with. I am sharing vulnerably and honestly, as always, with the heart to draw others nearer to Jesus, but also to just let them know that they're not the only ones in the craziness of the mess, because I was as well. But God is good and God redeems, and he brings us out of the mess to honor him and to bring us into a healthy life. But there are choices that we have to make along the way in order to honor him. So before we jump into this vulnerable episode, I just wanted to remind you all that this is the last week of the Wife Project course. This course is a 10-hour, eight-week course focused on strengthening your marriage and taking you from roommates to soulmates. And also for those who are dating or engaged or even single, I have testimonials from single girls on my website just to help you prepare for what it means to be a godly woman and godly wife. The doors will close on Friday, so do not miss it. You will not be able to purchase The Wife Project after the fact. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women who are already signed up, and it has just been an absolute joy to already see the fruit that has come from The Wife Project course. So do not miss it. You can go to the show notes. Um, just scroll right down from this episode, or you can go to my Instagram at livingeasywithlindsay to see more details on that. The Wife Project was created to bring hope and to bring joy and to help us become the godly women that God created us to be. So if you're interested, just go to the link in my bio on Instagram or scroll down on the show notes and you can see the Wife Project website and learn more about it. So let's dive in to today's episode. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. I don't know that I came prepared for this conversation, but the Lord laid it on my heart to talk to you about a little bit of my dating history that I've not 
really shared on this podcast and to talk to those of you who are single and waiting for your Prince Charming and for a man to sweep you off your feet and trying to understand what it means to find the one. And I just really, really want to challenge those of you who are in that position and waiting for your husband or your wife to not settle. And I'm going to share a little bit of a story with you. For those of you who know my story, I was in relationship after relationship after relationship. I was always, always, always looking for a relationship and I always had a relationship on the back burner. If you haven't heard my full testimony, it is episode 30 on the podcast and I go in depth about kind of my promiscuity and all of those things, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about today. I just want to really challenge the notion before I even dive into this conversation that it is better to be single until you're 35 and then happily married than to be married at 30 and unhappily married. It is a huge perspective shift to think about it that way. To settle at 30 and to be unhappily married for the rest of your life or potentially divorced versus waiting until you're 35 and being happily married to your best friend for the rest of your life. So I know it's such a struggle or can be such a struggle when we see these pictures on Facebook or on Pinterest or we get the the text messages that our friend is engaged. I remember that feeling as a new Christian that the world, the church world kind of said, you need to be married really young, especially because I was trying to be pure after having not been pure pretty much my whole teenage life. So I wanted that. I wanted to get married and I found myself seeking out these relationships with people that I knew really didn't fit. They were not a good fit for the puzzle, but I force fit them in so many times. And I think that that is a really important conversation to have. And it's one that Kate Warman and I, who is just a dear friend of mine, we had on the podcast recently, we talked specifically about relationships and singleness and why singleness is not a disease. So if you haven't heard that episode, make sure to check that one out on Living Easy. But I believe that this pressure from other Christians, this pressure from the people around us who are getting engaged and us feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm in my 20s or my mid-20s or my 30s or my mid-30s and I'm not married yet. What is going on? Why is everyone else around me having it figured out? Maybe I should just settle. There is a lie within the church that you're going to find the one at a certain time. And if you're not finding the one, then something is wrong with you. That is such a blatant and crazy lie that I hope we are starting to challenge and to stop believing that because we have standards and expectations, granted, the expectations need to be realistic and we need to compare them with the expectations that we place upon ourselves as well, because we can't say, hey, here's my list for my future husband, even though I don't fit any of those expectations. That's not fair either. And they should meet the standard that God has set. So say this person needs to be a virgin 
is to not have the heart of Christ if they have been saved and redeemed and God has made them new, then you should see them as new. So those are just some thoughts. But in my past, before I even met Jesse and when I was fresh into Christianity, I met a guy that I started talking to very quickly and he said he was a Christian I mean, I'm telling you guys, it had been maybe a week or so that I had decided I really wanted to start pursuing God. And so it felt like a dream. It felt like it was God sent. He came to me. I was working at a restaurant at the time as a hostess in college. And he put his number down and I started talking to him about like, do you party? Do you drink? You know, that's all that I did or knew. And Christianity was so fresh to me, which is just a reminder to be gracious to those new Christians, you guys, because I had no idea what I was doing. And he started saying that, no, he had surrendered his life to Jesus and that wasn't his thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I've never met a guy who doesn't want those things, you know? So we started dating and getting to know one another. And it turns out he had a pretty messy history himself, just as I did. And we dated and we fell for one another really quickly. I was very attracted to him. I loved his family. I was just in awe that there was like a godly man, you know, and we stopped everything. We hung out at his house pretty much every night. We kind of had to because his history, he had an ankle bracelet. It's so funny to say because it didn't even phase me at the time, but it's because I knew that God had saved him from his junk and he had gotten a DUI, which was what God used to do that. And I believe God can use anything. So we stayed at his house a lot and we watched movies and spent time with his family and ate a lot of ice cream. And it was just really fun. And as the freedom was allotted to him, he couldn't really handle it. And I know now like he's a completely different person. I honor and respect that so much. But there was just a lot of freedoms on both of our ends. I was learning to be a new Christian. I made plenty of mistakes in that relationship. He was learning to be a new Christian. He made plenty of mistakes, but it wrecked me because we were talking about rings. We were talking about engagement and weddings and what our future would look like. We definitely had a different view of what our future should look like, which was a telltale sign to me and should be a telltale sign to others. Making sure that your plans for your future, what you feel like God has called you to, matches up. We had a different view of, I don't know how to say it nicely, because it's not a negative thing, but his desire was very much for me maybe to be barefoot and pregnant, you know, to stay home and you guys know me, I do stay home, but I also work like a crazy person because I have a lot of dreams and passions and that kind of turned him off. And his dreams were not as ambitious maybe as mine. And sometimes I resented that he didn't want more for himself or for his family. And we really were at odds, but I kept saying, oh, we'll get it figured out. We're going to get it sorted out. And then there started becoming a little bit of verbal abuse. And I said, oh, we'll get it figured out. And even our church was saying, forgive. You need to forgive. You need to have grace. And I'm saying, okay, I'm young. I'm 18 years old. Let's have grace. 19 years old. I will have grace for these things. And as time went on, sorry, this is a little scattered, guys. Like I said, I hadn't prepared. So this is authentically like me sitting down 
with some lemon water. That's all I drink pretty much, but with a girlfriend on a couch and having a conversation about my dating past. (laughs) So take it for what it is. This isn't like a scheduled out conversation. We started seeing differences and we started seeing differences in our relationship with Jesus and our desires for that, where Jesse and I, we read separately, we pray separately. He leads totally differently than I ever expected him to, which is an entire conversation. If you guys don't know, I am launching something called The Wife Project, and I'm so, so excited about it. It is a course for wives specifically who desire a stronger, closer relationship with their spouse and are willing to dig into the messy and the deep to do so. And I'm going to be talking about leadership and expectations of leadership and submission and what the world views that as and how we should view that. But I didn't know a lot at that time. And so as I started seeing his leadership style, I didn't necessarily agree with it. He definitely didn't think I was submissive enough and I for sure wasn't. But I also really cared about him and I was really physically attracted to him. And so we just kind of continued on and I put these things to the side thinking, ah, we're going to get it figured out in marriage. And if there's one thing I've learned in marriage, it is that everything you see when you're dating is magnified in marriage and then some because people change and they grow and they transition and it doesn't all just disappear or get better magically like you think that it will. So as time went on, things just got really messy and we were fighting a lot. And I was excusing that too and thinking it's going to be okay. You know, God can fix this, but we weren't engaged yet. And then there became a little bit of physical aggression and I had never experienced that before. So that was a lot for me. And yet the church told me to forgive and to move forward. And a lot of that has been apologized for. So I am very thankful for that. But there was just a lot of mess, you guys. And I just want to encourage that it is not going to be perfect when you date. Absolutely not. Jesse and I almost called off our engagement. We struggled with sexual sin, like the temptation of it, not actually falling into it, but hardcore temptation of it. We fought. We did break up once before we were engaged and I had to beg for him back. So it's not all PG keen. But there are also red flags when you're dating that should be tracked and checked and that you should make sure you're aware of and having those conversations with couples who are married and who love the Lord before you get engaged and before you dive into this. Red flags will remain red flags when you're married. So in this relationship... I actually prayed and I have maybe shared this part before because it was so life-changing for me. The church and people that I really trusted in our community and things like that kept encouraging me to stick this out, to forgive, that if this hadn't happened, would you still be together? If this hadn't happened, would you still be together? And I was like, well, yeah, but that's kind of a big thing, but okay, I'll forgive and move on. And so I did. And then there was one day where I just had this feeling. I'm like, okay, we're either on the verge, which seems like such a weird dichotomy to look back on. But when you're so eager to get married, it didn't seem that way where I was saying, okay, Lord, we're either going to break up or we're going to get engaged, but I don't know which one to do because everyone is telling me 
he could be a good man for me and he's a work in progress and it's okay. And then there's my soul and my spirit that is telling me we're not a good match. This We don't strengthen one another. We cause one another to stumble. We cause one another to get angry. We cause one another to fall into sin. It's just getting messy, but I don't understand why everyone else is telling me it's okay. So he went out of town and I got in the shower and I prayed. And I will always remember this prayer through tears, just saying, Lord, I need you to make it so abundantly clear for me that he is not the man for me before I get engaged in a way that nobody can excuse, that nobody can justify, and in a way that I can't backtrack and say it wasn't as bad as it seemed. And I said, so I need you to do that for me, Lord, because I can't do this anymore. I feel so confused. Make it clear for me. You guys, the wildest thing And this is like where I see beauty from ashes and where I see God working and how my mess at that time where I didn't understand and I was questioning God worked toward good for both of our lives. We are much, much better off where we are now and with the people we are with now. But I got a phone call from a very close friend of mine. And she had been called by an acquaintance of mine at the time who is now a very good friend. And we'll call this girl Jay. So Jay was out of town in the same place my ex-boyfriend was. And Jay calls one of my closest friends to tell her that she had seen him. We were still together at this time. And we were still not drinking, not doing anything because we had been stuck at home and we had given our lives to Jesus and we're walking with him faithfully. But again, temptation is real and sin entangles all of us. I am not saying I was any better than him at all, but she saw him drunk and making out with some girl at a bar. That night that I prayed this, you guys, that night, And the next morning is when she called and she told me, so then I called Jay, the acquaintance, and I'm like, there's no way. Are you sure? Does he have this tattoo? Does he look like this? And it was in the same city. And it was like, what is the likelihood that both of them are in the same place, out of town at the same time, and someone who has a heart, who is just like the most lovely person to tell me, and not keep it a secret or go and gossip to other people about it, but to instead say, hey, I need you to call Lindsay because this is going on and I don't feel comfortable enough to tell her because I don't know her well enough. So I knew I had been lied to. It was really evident kind of when I was trying to call him that night and stuff. And there were just a lot of lies the whole time. There were a lot of lies that were revealed to me. And I was devastated. But it was the most bizarre feeling to be on my floor. I remember I was in my apartment, in my room in the morning, and I was devastated in tears while at the same time thinking, holy cow, God, you are amazing. Like he's hooking up with some girl, wasted, supposedly high. And that is absolutely everything that I am not looking for, of course. And it's heart wrecking but it is something that nobody can excuse, right? Just like I prayed for. So I run to my cousin's room because she lived with me and I was so, so broken. And she walked me through it and talked me through it. And But I kept telling her like, 
I feel like I'm dying inside. Like my heart is crushed into a million jillion pieces, but I am also so blown away by God's power and his answer to my prayer. And not that I think that God did this in any way, but I do think he allows those things to happen and he allows things to be revealed. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will reveal things to us in time. And he allowed that to be revealed to me by putting that girl there at the same time. So with all of that to say, I wanted him to be my husband. I thought he was my husband. I wanted his sister to be my sister-in-law. I was happy. You know, I thought I was happy even though all of those red flags of us not being meant for one another triggered me and made me aware and created conversations. And I did go to people and pastors about this stuff and they just gave misguided advice and counsel. And the church I was attending at that time ended up kind of crumbling down because of the toxic environment that was created. There was kind of this bullying, toxic masculinity. And I do not use those words lightly. So you guys have probably never heard me say those words, (laughs) but it was very much a thing and addressed nationally. So it all happened and it was all apologized for, like I said, but I remember just being shattered and praying for months as I tried to figure out what God's plan was for me because I wanted to be married. And I'm thinking, Lord, now I have to start all over again. Now I have to meet someone and I have to date someone. And I had already done all of that. And I already suffered through some of the hardest stuff and accepted it and justified it. And now I have to do it again. And I'm not going to have a family. And you guys, I'm 19 years old. So this is ridiculous. And I realize that. But I also know that there are 30-year-olds in this same position right now who are thinking, Lord, I have to start all over again. I actually have a friend who recently thought she was going to get engaged. And she was absolutely shocked when he completely called it off. And now she's starting from square one again. So I know this is a reality for so many of you. And I do, I share life with so many girls who feel that way right now. They are feeling disappointed that their life isn't where they expected it to be at their age, whatever age that is. They are exhausted of seeing the engagement posts, the wedding photos, the pregnancy announcements when they are not there yet and they long to be. Even if they're happy for their friends, they find themselves still having to force that smile because they're not content. They want that, which is a good desire. Can I say that? Sex, marriage, family, these are all good God-given desires. So do not guilt yourself for that desire. The only problem is when it is turned into a God desire and it becomes more important to you than your relationship with Jesus is when it starts to turn messy and starts to harden your heart. But if you're just ready, whoever is listening right now, or if you have a daughter or a friend or family member who is just ready for it to be their turn, I want to share some words of encouragement with you that maybe I wish had been shared with me at the time, because I do wish I knew God's plan for you. And I do wish that I could tell you that this will happen soon and you're going to find your Prince Charming and the one and be married and live happily ever after that your fairy tale ending is right around the corner. But I don't know what God has in store and neither do you. But I do want to say that an honorable and a respectable man is worth your 
wait. He is worth that one year, the two years, the five years. And please know that even when it may feel like it, you are not even close to forgotten. Even when you feel rejected and like your heart is crushed into a million pieces. And I say this all the time to people in my life, but I pray that I never diminish my boy's heartbreak because to this day, it is the most painful experience that I had growing up was falling in love and being heartbroken. It is real, especially being cheated on. That is like soul crushing stuff that doesn't go away and that you don't forget. And so that rejection is real. That pain is real. And I'm not diminishing any of those things. And the longing to have a family is just as real. Because the thing is, you guys, is that these are things that are good. Like I said, they are good things. And I never, ever, ever want to communicate that you're above this, right? You're above longing for a family. That is not the case. People long for a family because it is a good and beautiful thing. And what you desire is likely something that God is going to offer you because he gives us the desires of our heart. But patience can be really, really hard and really discouraging. And it is irritating to hear the words, just be patient. Your time will come over and over and over again. And as Kate says in our episode, singleness is not a disease, but sometimes people paint it that way where you go to a family dinner and they say, you're still single. How are you still single? That is such a condescending, horrible question. (laughs) Of course, if I long to be married, I don't want someone asking me about my singleness, especially when you're feeling lonely. And so I today just want to gently remind you that you're not alone in this, that there are many women in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s who feel this way, but there is so much hope and joy waiting for you even today. And that is where it all begins, is focusing on your today. Because in the midst of my own heartache, I learned really quickly that I needed to make the best of that time that I had. I allowed myself to grieve the loss of that relationship, which was very real. I went to movie theaters by myself and lunch by myself all the time, and I just cried. You guys, I was such a wreck. Everything I watched in the movie theater would trigger me so that I'm crying, but there's nowhere I can go to escape that feeling of heartbreak. I don't know. Maybe I just feel deeper. Maybe I'm just like a crazy romantic and not everyone feels this way, but it was months for me and it was hard and I struggled and I went to parties and drank and like went places I didn't belong because I was trying to heal and cope and it was just such a mess. So I'm definitely not saying get over it, move past it and move along because I grieved it. I made stupid decisions that I don't recommend, which led me to realizing I'm going backwards in my walk with Jesus. I am turning into the guy that he was because I'm lonely and I'm hurting. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like this guy who crushed me. I don't want to prove a point. I don't want to get back at him. I want to look like Jesus. And so it was time for me at that point when I realized that to make those positive changes and to prepare my heart for my future husband so that I would be the kind of person that I wished to marry. So if I could give any advice to you, it would be don't date because you're lonely. Pursue a deeper relationship with Jesus. Know him more. 
know him deeper, take that time to learn more about yourself and who you are. Even if you feel like I've been learning about myself for 30 years, there is likely some dependency that has gone on there. There's likely some maybe substance abuse that's gone on there, temporary satisfaction and fulfillment. So take that time to get to know yourself better and rip up your endless list of expectations that you have for a spouse and allow God to write those expectations for you. Because ladies, if you are running after God's mission and then you turn to see who is running next to you, you will find that person. You will find the one. But if you put God aside and you run that race on your own toward just longing desperately for someone to fill that gap, you will fill it like I was with the wrong puzzle piece that is forced into place. And Jesse and I, for those of you who don't know, we were friends for years before I even looked his way. I actually told him I wasn't attracted to him. Maybe I didn't tell him that. Maybe I told friends that. I don't know. It's a running joke with us now, but we were just friends and it wasn't a thing for me and my friends dated him. And so I had no attraction. I had no desire until everyone around me started telling me that he was going to be my husband. And he had told his family he was going to be my husband. And my friend who had dated him told me before Jesse and I were even dating, she said, I know you're going to marry him. And it was the most bizarre thing to have all of these people around me telling me that he's going to be my husband when we were just friends and not even on a, hadn't gone on a date, hadn't shown interest in one another. But that just reminds me of how perfect God's timing is because he knows when our heart is ready. He knows when our spouses, our future spouse's heart is ready. So if he has not failed you before, even though you've struggled, even though you've gone through trials, even though you've been in pain, God always shows up. So if he is not showing up for you, why would this be any different? I have a friend who told me that she had been single for longer than she would like to be. And she was kind of a boy crazy all the time. And she told me that she knowingly has the impulsive tendency to fantasize about a new life as a girlfriend or a wife before the check is even paid on the first date. So she becomes so excited just in eating the meal with the person on their first date about the future and the potential that her date has to be her husband. And yet when it doesn't work out, even though she's fantasized him into being this man that maybe he's not intended to be for her, she's broken. So after only a few dates, she's created him to be the man who will eventually sweep her off of her feet before she even knows who he is. That disappointment sets in and the fact that it didn't work out leaves her feeling completely hopeless. And I am totally guilty of this. I fell for guys. Oh man, (laughs) I fell for so many guys. You know what's funny too, is almost all of the guys I was interested in or dated most of them started with J's and it started from a young age and it just perpetuated and now I'm married to a J. But all of the J's that I am thinking of, I am like, I just thought this is going to work out. This is going to be the one I'm going to capture his heart, even though he's with all of these girls or even though he is completely different than me or anything. I just envisioned him being the one. And I think we're given this idea as we grow up that 
we need to be constantly focused on who is going to fill that gap for us rather than thinking, how can I be the best woman that God has created me to be alone? It is okay to be alone. It is beautiful to be alone. And there is a lie in our culture and in our church that we need a man to satisfy us. 1 Corinthians 7.28 even says, Paul is saying in this verse, that we will have trouble if we marry. He says, if you do marry, you've not sinned, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. That's in 1 Corinthians 7.28. Paul is trying to spare us from marriage because he knows how challenging it will be, not only as a whole of two sinners coming together as one and trying to make life work, but also in our relationship with Jesus, because there is so much distraction. And if I could tell you, honestly, the amount of friends that I knew in church who were single and on fire for Christ and passionate and running the race and theologically sound and biblically knowledgeable when they got married, their relationship with Jesus crumbled. And so much of it was trying to fill this gap of codependency in their hearts that they didn't even realize that they were just trying to fill Jesus in the space until their husband came along. And then their husband took the place of Christ in their hearts. And it wrecks me to see that because I get it. I understand it. It is a fight to not let that happen. But we seek out these relationships to fulfill and to satisfy. And that's where we get so, so lost. And I think sometimes we live like chameleons, don't we, when we're dating? We adjust our skin, we adjust our appearance, we adjust our likes and dislikes to suit a guy who was never suited for us in the first place. And I genuinely just want to admonish you all today to remain true to who you are in the dating process, no matter how difficult it may be. I know that it's easier said than done, but you don't want to lose yourself in the process. And eventually in marriage, your true self will show and their true self will show. Don't force it. Don't settle. If God intends for you to marry, The man that he has for you is going to blow your mind. The first date I went on with Jesse, when God finally gave me the go to start dating him and everyone around me told me I needed to give him a chance. We talked for five or six hours at dinner and I literally left and I got in my car and I said, I'm going to marry him immediately. He blew my mind He was respectful and honorable and caring and compassionate. And he loved his sisters and he loved his mom and he still does with all of his heart. And he speaks highly of people. He doesn't speak poorly of people and he loves Jesus and he knows the Bible and he does his own quiet times and his own prayer time. And he is his own man independently within himself, even at the age of 20, I saw this in him, that he said to me, I am a glass house, Lindsay, and anything you want to know is yours to know. And this is before we were engaged. This is when we first started talking, that he completely opened his life up to me. He has always opened his phone up to me. I have never had to 
ask for a passcode or anything that we both have full access to one another's phones. There is freedom. There is trust. There is love that it goes deeper than any physical intimacy because we didn't have physical intimacy when we were dating. So we couldn't rely on that as a crutch and we just had emotional relationship. So I will say it again. I was blown away that a man like him even existed after dating the guys that I did. So again, if God intends for you to marry, the man that he has for you is going to blow your mind. He will be the man who makes you laugh even at yourself, the man who pursues you and romances you as his beautiful bride, the man who makes you feel safer than you've ever been emotionally and physically. That safety is huge. The man who loves you as Christ loves his church, the man who causes your knees to buckle and brings you to tears with a few heartfelt words, he is worth your weight. Jesse and I have been married for almost nine years, friends and dating and all of that for I think like 11 and a half. And I love my story. I love the heartache, the brokenness, the loneliness, and the many, many tears that God counted and put away because they were such a large part of where I am now. I would never appreciate Jesse if it weren't for that mess. Do I wish I didn't have to go through all of that? For sure. But it is part of my story. So now I embrace it as such. And I thank God every day for a man like Jesse who honors me and loves me and is the best daddy in the world and is always my biggest fan and supporting me and choosing me. And no, our marriage is not perfect at all. (laughs) And we have plenty of our own stuff that we've walked through in the nine years that we've been married. I will absolutely say that. But When I look back at the what ifs of those past relationships, I can't help but to laugh and thank God for saving me from them and pulling me out before it was too late. And I pray that you, you, whoever, I wish I could call you by name right now, that you who are listening, that you'll love your story one day as well. So please just listen to my words when I say that you are beautiful and cherished and worthy, not because of your past or of who you are, even your character. You are beautiful and cherished and worthy because of who Christ says that you are and because he has washed you white as snow when you surrender your life to him. You deserve a good and godly man. He will be imperfect. Your expectations will probably not be met. But if there are red flags, seek the Lord, pursue him, get in the word and get in prayer and get on your knees and get in front of people who know Jesus to make sure this man is the right man for you. I truly trust and believe that your longing, hurting heart will one day dissolve and exist as a far off memory, just as mine has. I love you guys. And I say this with the most compassion. And I know it can be frustrating to hear like, yeah, easier said than done, Lindsay. You got married when you were 21. I understand. But please know that I'm coming from a place of having people who are so, so dear to my heart and are struggling with divorce and dating again and women who have never been married and women who are single moms who I've walked through life with for 10, 15 years. It is very, very important to me that I express that to you 
because it comes from a place of genuine compassion and true faith and belief that God knows your story. He sees your future and he has a hand upon you and your path. I believe that. So until your past is a far off memory, hand your heart over to the King who sees you and knows you and loves you far more than you could ever, ever imagine because his plan will always be the perfect one. Man, I feel dizzy sometimes when I talk and I always feel like those are the episodes where the Holy Spirit is totally invested. (laughs) And I always pray that he will be, but sometimes it's just different. And this was one of those. So I pray that it reaches at least one person's heart and really speaks truth because the gospel, you guys, is that Christ died on the cross for you for your mess. He rose again three days later. He foreknew your sin. He knew the disaster that you would be, whatever that might look like. And whatever the dating history might be or the sexual sin or pornography or struggle with dependency or addiction, all of those things, he foreknew that. And he still died on the cross and rose again with 500 plus witnesses who saw his life and have it historically written down. And he still loved you. And he did that for you to honor the father and for your life to honor and glorify God in heaven. So live that life that he has called you to minister to others, make much of his name, share the gospel and use this time wisely. Use it so wisely because you will never, ever get it back. I love you all. If you enjoyed this episode, if it encouraged you or challenged you, it might do the same for someone else. So please do take a second to share on social media if you don't mind or ask a friend or family member if they'd like to hear it and send it their way via text message or email. That always means the world to me when I see you guys sharing. And I just want you to know when I'm on social media, I am always seeing your posts. Like I said, you probably get tons of messages back from me. If you do write me, I am very engaged and I love hearing from you and seeing your shares and everything. Also, if you haven't had a chance to rate and review the podcast, please take a second to do so. It means the world in my little realm of podcasting and really helps me to keep going and It means a lot to see your feedback and what you're enjoying and what you're gaining from this podcast that I pour my heart and soul into. So please do take a second to rate and review on iTunes and to share and follow along on Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay. And feel free to listen back to some of the episodes, the one with Kate Warman about singleness and how it is not a disease and how God is working in your waiting episode 30, which is my testimony where I share much more about my past, my sexual history, and my dating relationship with my husband. I love you guys so, so much. And I'll talk to you next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. 
Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.